I am Caroline Ra, and you are listening to Spirit of the Dawn, Podcast 11. Today, we'll be exploring messages from Matthew with special guest Suzanne Ward. Every single day since whence I wake, I feel the same. Somehow I have changed. Could do the people of the street. Yeah, made me feel it. Somehow life is sweeter every day. Somehow life is sweeter every day. Hey, uh, you've gotta find a time to change. Gotta find the time to find this time to embrace the colors, fine lines and shades. It makes this place, it makes this place great. I'll embrace the change. Whoa, 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 I'll embrace the change. Whoa, whoa. From beautiful Ashland, Oregon, I am Pleiadian Emissary of Light, Caroline Ra. Thank you all for joining me today. Welcome to Spirit of the Dawn. We are in for a fascinating show today as I am being joined by a very special guest, Suzanne Ward, whose work has had a profound effect upon my life as Caroline and the lives of many others. After a series of events in 2005, I began to spiritually awaken and thus embark on a consciousness expanding and often difficult part of my journey. I stumbled my way through this awkward time until I was able to remember clearly who I was and why I was here. Susie's work was invaluable in shedding love and light on my path with information about life between incarnations, soul contracts, planetary changes, forces affecting events here on Earth, and the many civilizations helping us at this time. Susie Ward is the author of several books which she has written with her son Matthew. In accordance with their pre-birth agreements, Matthew Ward disembodied from physical life in 1980 after a single car crash at the age of 17. Fourteen years after that, Susie and Matthew began a deep and purposeful communication that resulted in five books. Matthew, Tell Me About Heaven, Revelations for a New Era, Illuminations for a New Era, Voices of the Universe and Earth's Golden Age. Their work... Their work continues to this day with monthly messages from Matthew, which shed light on our current situation here on Earth. In addition to her work with Matthew, Susie is a gifted and loving animal communicator. Through her close relationship with her own fur babies and many other animals, Susie has written the two-in-one volume, Amusing to Profound, My Conversations with Animals, one and two. I am looking forward to discussing with Susie today the amazing body of work she has brought forward. It is with tremendous love and gratitude that I welcome Susie Ward to Spirit of the Dawn. Susie, thank you so deeply for joining with us today. Caroline, it is my privilege and honor to be with you today. Oh, thank Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you, Susie. I love it. I can hear your fur babies in the background. We <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we might hear my dog also, so <laughs> she might join in. <laughs> I told her to be quiet, but she might join in. 
Oh, Susie, you have had an amazing career channeling, editing, and organizing the vast amount of information shared by Matthew and many others. Can you share with us your previous career and how it prepared you for your life's work? I'll be happy to. I sort of backed into it, actually. One of my jobs later in life turned out to be not what I had hired for, but when I showed up, it was to be editing uh, the Army Surgeon General's journal. And that was the beginning. I, uh, I, I was not pleased about that at the moment. That was in 1972. But in retrospect, of course, that is what set me on the path to knowing how to organize material. And that was, that became really indispensable because by the time I finally consented to Matthew's request, Mother, please start working on the book, which was six months after we had been talking for over an hour every day, I did know how to proceed, but I had been printing out our conversations, and I had a stack that was approaching eight inches tall. And instead of being totally uh, at sea about how to proceed, at least my background did prepare me to do that. That's wonderful. Did you work on a computer at the beginning or were you typing? His very first message came as such a surprise. Uh, well, maybe I'd better back up a bit. I had been advised that perhaps I could connect with Matthew if I wrote a short note to him. Just, you know, like, hi, dear. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I hope you know what I'm doing, that I'm healthy and happy and, and loving having all these dogs. And that would be, you know, it. And so, of course, I was just writing those. And after about the third one, I heard, Mother, this is Matthew. Mother, yes, it really is Matthew. Please write what I'm telling you. Well, I, <laughs> I was really in shock. Uh, so I started scribbling in shorthand notes. And afterwards, I, I, I couldn't decipher those. And I don't remember what he said. I, I, I was just so in awe that this connection was happening. I was actually hearing his voice as clearly as if he were sitting beside me. So the next day, I went to the computer to start okay. to him. That's what I was wondering. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And you also at times can see, Matthew, you, you're visionary also, aren't you? Mm, I think that would be an overstatement, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> he okay. sends me images. Okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, they, they were uh, so welcome and so wonderful. They were not always of him. 
he just wanted me to see him as I knew him, as my 17-year-old son. So he didn't do that. But he would show me the interior of the apartment where he lived. He would do sort of a, a well, actually, he did movies. So he would show me around the apartment. And then he would take me to the beach where he especially liked to go to show me how unusual it was, like white sand and pure aqua water and and things had a pink tinge from the sky. And then he would show me how he could change weather where he was. And so, yes, I could see the images he showed me. Also, even during that first six months before I started the book, he introduced me to a number of of other, I suppose I should say, entities. But they speak of themselves as people. So, yes, people. But they were representatives of such vast and powerful civilizations that I, I can't even imagine them. Uh, and they would send me images of themselves. How extraordinary and wonderful. It was fascinating and exciting. And I, I'd like to mention that I am, I think of myself as their secretary. Like, you know, they're giving me dictation. So I sit at the computer and type exactly what they're telling me. And another fascinating aspect of this is that they knew my mind. Questions would arise in my mind, and of course I didn't want to interrupt them. They would sometimes interrupt themselves right at that point, and I say, now, to answer your question, Susie, or Susie, <laughs> or Madam, uh -huh. uh, uh, you know, depending on what each uh, called me. And other times they would complete that train of thought and then answer my questions. Wow. Now, I think we need to explain that the first part of the work you did with Matthew, a lot of it was him saying where we go after we leave our earth bodies and to a place called Nirvana. And he spent a lot of time explaining to you about life in Nirvana. And it's a multi-layered place, and it's a very beautiful place. And Matthew was really sharing amazing, amazing information. How did, did it resonate with you? Did you understand it, or was it all just amazing? It was all amazing. As a product of 35 years of immersion in Protestant dogma, almost everything that Matthew told me was different from what I believed heaven to be. I was so interested in knowing where he was living that I kept asking questions. And sometimes he would just want me to know things, so he would tell me without my asking. And almost 
everything in the first book, Matthew, Tell Me About Heaven, which is actually a line <laughs> from the book, happened within the first six weeks that we talked. I was, well, you did explain that it is a multi-layered world. It's not an orb like planets are, and it is also flexible. And it is, there is no heaven, separate heaven and separate hell. Everybody who lives on earth after transition or after physical death goes to nirvana. And it accommodates every one of us. The, the people that sometimes we refer to as saints on earth, and uh, we may speak of as somebody being the devil incarnate, everyone goes to nirvana. And they go to the layer that is in consonance with the energy that they generated through all of their thoughts and feelings and actions on earth. So that part of what religions teach is true. How you live on earth determines where you go after you die. Insofar as, speaking of nirvana now, which layer of nirvana you automatically enter. There is no judgment. God does not judge. It is the law of physics that govern this universe where each person is automatically drawn uh, to the energy layer where that is in consonance with how they lived. So the highest layer, well, the higher layers are absolutely beautiful because Matthew has described them and also shown me some of these areas. And life is so diverse. There is so much for the people there to choose. Also, it is not our eternal resting place. It is temporary. And not only does it accommodate everyone who, whose past life was on earth, but because it is so beautiful and offers so much and it is so diverse in what it offers in the way of uh, education, travel, manifestation, it's, it's a mecca for tourists. <laughs> and, yeah, people from other civilizations go there on, on vacation. Master teachers from higher civilizations go there to teach. People from other civilizations go there to learn. And some souls who have had perhaps a series of very difficult lifetimes go there to, to be restored and heal. And one of the marvelous aspects 
of nirvana is that when people have had traumatic lives or they have died under traumatic circumstances, like in actual combat or in a war zone or by any traumatic and violent means, they enter special portals and go and are taken immediately to healing centers that are like our ICUs, our hospitals, ICUs, emergency wards and things. And they are attended to constantly. Um, there is um, music and the tones of the music are healing, the vibrations. And there are pastel colors that waft in the air. I need to also backspace just a moment. The soul, which is the pure love light essence, essence of creator, and in this universe is of God, is liberated from the etheric body and the psyche. So it is our etheric bodies, which are so closely attached to our physical bodies that when physical bodies are so worn out from dealing with a chronic illness or perhaps are mutilated in the death process of being in a fatal accident, as Matthew was, um, plane crashes, war zones. The etheric body also needs to be healed. And there are specially trained medical teams who lend energy to usher in the etheric body. And then that body and the psyche, and it looks like the person. It So, you know, it's not as if this is some sort of disincarnate woo-woo thing. It looks like the person. And after everything is healed, the person uh, joins the, the population and readjusts to being in nirvana and starts on this vibrant, new, active life there. And there is a life review process. God is not involved. So, well, okay, each of us is a part of God, an actual aspect of God's energy. But the God that I call the umbrella God does not judge any. But the life review is what the person goes through. And it's a lifelong movie. Not only what the person did and felt and experienced in all ways, but how that person touched every other life that was involved in the person's life. 
it's so hard for me to imagine this happening, but that is what the life review is. And it's not just that that's the end of it, because as the person is in nirvana, memories of other lifetimes, and often those are in other civilizations, those memories start coming back. Can we talk about the cumulative soul? Every soul is an independent, inviolate being who has multiple lifetime experiences. And what we do in planning the next lifetime is endow the new personage, is, is the term that Matthew uses, with all the memories of our other lifetime experiences and with what we remember to that point of everything that each soul knows at soul level that goes back to our beginnings as love, light, essence of creator. Um, I, I know that must sound overwhelming, especially because I'm trying to condense five books <laughs> in, into a few minutes. Well, not everything is in the five books, of course, but all of these are explained so well in the books, and there by now there must be 175 messages on uh, matthewbooks.com, my site. And go to my site and type cumulative soul in the search blank. That will bring up all messages that contain those words. And the explanations there will be so much clearer. I highly recommend that everyone visit MatthewBooks.com. I know I go there every month, always checking to see when Matthew's latest message is posted. And it's absolutely amazing the information that you and he share every month. And I absolutely love reading his monthly message. And I encourage everyone to visit Susie's website, MatthewBooks.com. It also has information on all of your books and how to uh, purchase the books also. So it's very huge volume of information and so many different things. There's the whole aspect of what is life in Nirvana like? And also, what's going on on our Earth now and all the different beings who are co-creating what is happening and Mother Earth herself, which Matthew calls Gaia. Earth is the soul with a planetary body. Gaia, and sometimes I say Gaia because I, that that's Spanish and I have a wee bit of Spanish from our years of living in Panama, but the the planetary body of Gia is now called Earth. It wasn't always, and I don't know when that started, because 
in, you know, just eons, eons ago in antiquity. She was called Tara and Sean. Somewhere along the line, someone called her Earth. And um, I just want to, to mention this, that in one, one of God's talks with me, where he was lamenting um, whatever it was at that moment, um, he said, and often people capitalize the names of all the other planets in the solar system, and yet they use lower, lowercase e for Earth. Um, and I I just like to mention this because it is and actually I I think Matthew is sort of nudging my shoulder because we have mentioned Nirvana many times Uh, and when I finally did consent to start writing uh, preparing I didn't write those books preparing all the material that had been transmitted to me for the books. And I was guided all the way because obviously some of Matthew's and my conversations weren't appropriate. You know, they were about our family and, and you know, things like that, that, that were personal and, and not, not relevant to, to anyone else. But at any rate, he chose the parts and um, I said, hey, whoa, Matthew, I am not going to put in a book that Nirvana is the name of heaven. I started to laugh. And he said, but mother, it is. And I said, well, first of all, I'm not really sure of that. <laughs> and furthermore, it's the name of a band. <laughs> and I I am not going to look foolish by putting that in a book that has my name on it. Susie, that's hysterical that you actually knew there was a band, Nirvana. I'm very impressed. I, I, I did. I did. And I said, so I am not going to do that. Well, obviously, I did accede to that. But in the more than 22 years since we connected telepathically, that has been our only argument. Excellent. That's very good. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we had a number of those as mother and son when he was, you know, my teenage child here. But that's the only argument that we have had since he left. And he's also the only one of my four children that I never have any concerns about at all. Oh, well, you discuss so many things uh, in your writings that you channel from Matthew. Uh, Some of my favorite subjects, actually, human cloning, mind control, Illuminati, chemtrails. You touch on a lot of very big subjects. Um, what is going on? Nuclear nuclear uh, weaponry, CIA. I love reading about all those things when Matthew writes about it. I, I enjoy it. Um, I know that's probably not your favorite stuff to write about. What is it like for you to write about all that, Susie? Well, Caroline, uh, I, I don't write it. I'm like a student typing what the class instructor is reading. 
and doing it exactly so I get a good grade. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. I, I, I am so apprehensive about distributing that information. And, and let me give you an example. Well, actually, I think it is the most difficult that, that I have ever done. Even before the primaries and the, uh, the caucuses prior to the 2008 election, Matthew stated in a message that Barack Obama would be elected President of the United States. And frankly, at that time, um, I had heard the name, but I knew nothing about it. I'm not a political activist. I mean, I obviously, I care what our government does. But at, at any rate, for me to distribute that, um, I mean, the subscriber list, the Yahoo subscriber list, is over 9,000. And my little personal list is to a few people who post the messages uh, on their sites. They distribute the messages. And there's one site where the messages are translated into about 26 other languages. So you can imagine how apprehensive I was about that. For one thing, I didn't want Matthew to be sending out information that would turn out to be incorrect and to not even have any idea who he was talking about was also, you know, I, I think you can understand why I would be so apprehensive. Yes. Yes, I can. And I, I know you well, Susie, and, and I know the information that you share via Matthew's information because he, he has information we don't have access to here. And he shares it, and he shares it with tremendous love. And I find it, for me, it's a wonderful way about of reading what's actually happening on our planet and stay in a place of love because Matthew's no way triggering fear and mainstream media triggers fear when they report the news and they don't actually report it correctly. And what I love about your messages that you share, uh, Matthew's messages, is that no fear is triggered and I really appreciate that tremendously. And Caroline, he is asking me to tell you he appreciates your bringing that up because the one the one point that he wanted me to get across today is that there is nothing to fear. And fear is what the dark ones, who are dark in mind and heart, they feed on it. And so it is so important that we do not go into fear when we uh, read in, in the press or hear and see uh, on TV or read things in the internet that are promoting fear. Part of that is purposeful. And another part is that the 
the writers, uh, the the announcers, the the reporters don't know the truth. They are reporting what they know. They have no way of knowing if, for instance, North Korea were able to develop a warhead and try to launch it on on a missile that um, our extraterrestrial brothers and sisters who are surrounding us in thousands of, of, of spacecraft, and there are many living right here among us and look like us, they will prevent that warhead from functioning. They already have done it more than a dozen times when the Illuminati were trying to destroy certain uh, cities. Okay, that's it about fear. The reasons not to go into fear. And the other side of that coin is to think positively about the future of Earth. We are moving constantly into higher vibratory levels. And what that means is into higher light intensity. And it is the light that is consistently diminishing whatever is dark on the planet. We have an expression that something came to light. And literally that is so. The corruption and deception that has gone on for centuries and centuries is coming to light. It is being exposed. It's not new corruption or deception. It's ages old that has just been built on generation after generation. And the future of Earth is bright. And the, the title of the fifth book, Earth's Golden Age, is what Earth is moving into. And the marvels in the Golden Age are, at this point, um, just difficult to imagine. Um, for instance, everybody, um, okay, everybody does have the capacity for telepathic communication. It's inherent in the soul. But we, we don't know that. And... Um, and actually, there are uh, some religions that teach that it's fine to talk to God. But if you get answers, those are coming from the devil, from Satan. Well, that doesn't even make sense. But if that's what people believe, then, uh, of course, their, their capacity for telepathic communication is really suppressed. But telepathic connections are opening. And Matthew had said that in some message soon, he wants to, to talk uh, about that, uh, to explain what it is and to describe how people can protect themselves and well, whatever it is that he's, he's, he's planning to add to all of that. And he does want to do that sometime soon. 
Can we go into Matthew being the Apostle Matthew? Can we get into that at all? Let me say this. The January, February, and March 2014 messages on my site are all about Matthew the Apostle. In January, Matthew explains why he finally is acknowledging that lifetime. And that message had more responses than any other message. There, there were over a hundred responses, and they all were positive. And some of them included questions. So February and March, parts of those messages included the questions and Matthew's answers to them. We live in a free will planet. Can you share with us what is free will and who has given us that free will? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. The gift of free will and its inherent aspect of manifestation is from creator. Creator is, okay, what we refer to as the Big Bang, that was creator slash creation, the first expression of itself into dispersing its energy. And there are several universes. The supreme ruler of this universe that some religions call God and other religions call by other names is bound to honor creator's gift of free will. And and a bit later I'll explain the manifestation part. And free will means that even though we do make soul contracts prior to birth and the soul contracts are parts of a larger agreement into which all souls who want to participate in the same lifetime choose their various roles in the agreement. And free will means that once we are incarnate, we have the choice to adhere to what we signed up for in the soul contract or do whatever else we decide we'd rather do. Okay, infants come in with full awareness of who they are. And they have all that knowledge of, well, being a part of God, recollection of all of the other lifetimes. But soon, partly because they now are in a dense body, which makes it, and and as the body grows, it becomes more difficult in that greater amount of density to remember all of that. But it is meant that we forget. And each of us does. We need to 
conform, first of all, to what our parents want. And as we grow older, it is, well, all the rest of the family members, our little friends, and then our school teachers, and, uh, uh, and, and, and then the ministers or priests, depending upon religion, and, you know, all of those people are considered authorities. And usually, by the age of two, perhaps mm -hmm. even three, um, there is total forgetfulness of, of everything, of, of who we are, that we are a part of God, the other lifetimes, and everything in our soul contracts. However, what the soul endows the personage with is conscience, inspiration, aspiration. I'm trying to remember them all, and um, my mind is too muddled for Matthew to get through clearly, but primarily conscience that lets us know right from wrong. And the inspiration and aspiration, oh, instinct and intuition. Matthew got through to me. Um, okay. Uh, and all of those are guidance to keep us on the, on the path in the soul contract that we chose. And, but again, the free will aspect lets us decide, well, okay, maybe I should do that, but I don't really want to, so I'm going to do this other thing. The more that we ignore what conscience says, the more we ignore the sensation we get of you really should go in this direction, the more we deviate from the soul contract. And free will is ours to use. The manifestation part of free will is karma, which is neither reward nor punishment, but simply the action and resultant consequences of the action. So the more we allow free will to merge with that guidance that comes from soul level into our consciousness. The more we live according to soul contract and evolve consciously and spiritually. Now, I also want to mention, well, to go back to something, the pre-birth agreement. Those are designed with unconditional love of all the souls within the agreement. And the agreement is designed for the spiritual and conscious growth of every soul involved. This means that some souls willingly agree to play the heavies so to say, to give other souls the circumstances 
they need to learn the lessons that they chose. Maybe learning patience, uh, controlling anger, generosity, whatever it is that is needed by all the souls in the agreement is accommodated for. And this is, um, this is huge because this is not only parents and children and grandparents and siblings, and then as the person grows older, spouses and their own children, but everybody who touches that life. The friends, the teachers, the, the co-workers, neighbors. So it, it really gets to the point where it's difficult to imagine. But all the experiences that we're signed up for, if we adhere to them, help everyone to grow consciously and spiritually. And that is the aim of every soul in every lifetime. Oh, thank you, Susie. That was extremely beautiful and very well explained and uh, very helpful information. I appreciate you sharing all of that. Well, for the opportunity. Thank you for saying I did it clearly. Uh, Matthew got into the act there. Susie, is there anything else that you or Matthew, I have a whole list of things I want to talk about, but is there something that you or Matthew would like to discuss here? Um, well, he, again, he thanks you for bringing up fear because that was the most essential point he wanted to mention today. Stay out of fear because there is nothing to fear. All these predictions about entire west coast of the United States falling into the sea, uh, third world war is going to be a nuclear war and it's going to start it's imminent in the Near East. None of that, none of that, or the Middle East, none of that is going to happen. No ET civilization is going to invade and slay us. None of the predictions that, that circulate on the internet are true. Furthermore, some channeled messages that are distributed on the internet and posted on sites, um, the, the receivers aren't aware that they are connecting with dark sources who are giving them false information to instill fear in the readers. And there are other messages, and here I'm putting channeled in quotes, because they aren't. They're written by people right here on Earth, and some of them are minions of the Illuminati who are writing these to instill fear. And you mentioned the Illuminati a ways back, Caroline. The Illuminati, that name came into being only a couple of centuries ago. A, a few people somewhere in Europe who were extremely well-read and intelligent decided to call themselves the Illuminati, which means the illumined ones. And 
they decided that because, well, at least they felt that they were the most intelligent people on earth and uh, very few other people were, were smart enough to know how to live. Uh, they decided that they should rule the world. And so their numbers expanded as they met other people who agreed with them. Eventually, they had such... Okay, the popes were part of this way back. In fact, the pope's idea of their infallibility began long before the name Illuminati came into use. But the same mentality, the same desire to control people, to control the masses, to control the wealth, to control, well, to start and end wars, to control more land. That concept, that ideology, began centuries and centuries ago. But the name Illuminati is is what Matthew uses. And actually, a number of others do as well. Uh, both people here on Earth, not necessarily extraterrestrials, but very knowledgeable people, and also other receivers of, of telepathic transmissions. Other names for the Illuminati are the Cabal, the Elitist, One World Government, New World Order, the Shadow Government. Um, there may be others, but... Um, those are the ones that I'm remembering right now. But they are all the very same people. They, throughout the centuries, they have infiltrated governments, churches, the educational system, all financial institutions, commerce, the entertainment industry, the media, every agency or organization that impacts life on earth, they infiltrated to the extent that eventually they totally controlled. They have taken over natural resources. They are responsible for masses living, living in impoverished conditions. They start wars, civil wars and international wars, and they fund both sides because they control multinational corporations, and some of those become rich from making the machinery of war. They infiltrated medical systems. And that is why the cost of health care, the cost of health care insurance, the cost of pharmaceuticals is prohibitively high. Some people would use the word evil, and frankly, 
so would I. Matthew would not. But what they have done to Earth, to Earth as a planet, to the environment, what they have done to populations throughout centuries, what they have done to the animals on Earth. And let me give you a, a quick example there. Whales and dolphins, cetaceans, species-wide, are the most intelligent and most spiritually evolved souls on the planet. That is why the Illuminati inspired people to do whale, to kill just for the sheer joy or sport of killing because they whales anchor light from far distant sources on the planet and the dolphins are friendly they are they have families too and none of that is sacred to people who are dark in mind and heart. They do unconscionable things because they literally do not have conscience. They ignored conscience so often and with such fervor that they literally drive up conscience. So they no longer have it. And that's why they can do what they do. Susie, I think it's, it's very important what Matthew says about not thinking of them as evil. And for me, I think that we're all teachers on a journey and students and teachers for each other. With so many things going on on our planet, I think it's important for people to, to understand the power of love. And I think if we can understand that more and talk about love, uh, I think it would be helpful because so many people become disempowered when they hear about things, but it's really not actually disempowering information. It's really very freeing information. So can we talk about the power of love? Absolutely. And in the book, there are chapters in the books and many, many messages. Um, on my site, where Matthew uh, says love, which is the same energy uh, as light, just expressed differently, is the most powerful force in the cosmos and therefore in this universe. And he has said in so many messages and, and again in the books that more than anyone else, the people that I was just describing, need love. Love is, there is no light in their life. They were born as pure love and light, but then got off the track, and their light kept getting dimmer and dimmer. And their life force is based on love and some of them have only the spark 
that is their life force that comes from Creator. And what Matthew has said is send them love in abundance. Visualize them in love. And when I said, Matthew, I that's so hard for me to do. And he said, Mother, if you knew somebody had lost their way in the darkness, you would shed the light from a flashlight onto the path to help them get back onto it, wouldn't you? And, and I said, yes, of course I would. She said, all right, these people have lost their way. They need light in their lives to get back on the path. So think of them that way and imagine that you are sending them the light from a flashlight and that will help them. And one time he said, send them a tsunami of love. <laughs> so while I was sort of expounding more than I almost needed to about the ones who truly no longer have a conscience and they have a void in their lives. They are trying to fill this void with, with money, with power. That will never do it for them, never. The, that void is the lack of light, the lack of love. And they don't understand that. And they are afraid of the light. That's why they run from it. They are afraid that it will take away what they have garnered. They've done it illegally and immorally, but they don't have the conscience to even understand that. So you are right, Caroline. It empowers us to know about them, why they are like that. It empowers us to know that by visualizing them in the light, surrounding them with light, we can uplift them out of the darkness and that void that has been really sending them in these directions where they have gone. And some of them are responding. Some have defected from the ranks of the Illuminati. They saw the light, in, in, in quotes. Others are still there, but they are no longer actively working. They're in a state of confusion, and they need clarity. And light gives clarity. So if you just send light out to the world, envision Earth as that beautiful 
blue body that has been photographed from spaceships in in orbit. Just envision that in glimmering light that just goes as far as you are able to envision. That is what is helping Earth and individuals. And we really all can do that. And we can embrace the knowledge that there is nothing to fear and that will keep us from dashing into fear when there is some fear-filled report on media. We can know that this is all part of energy set in motion that is running its course and in every moment this course of earth this ascension pathway of earth is going into higher and higher vibrations more and more intense light well, Susie, that was very beautiful. Wow. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Is there any other area that you'd like to cover today? We've talked so much, you must be exhausted. Matthew has energized me immensely. I, I, Caroline, I, I would like to mention again all the messages that are on my site. And they cover such a wide range of information that uh, with full heart, I, I suggest that your listeners go there. And, and what they can do is click on, on the menu, All Messages. That brings up the dates and the key topics in All Messages. So that could be helpful to let them see the types of issues being addressed in those messages. And then they can go to the, the books on the menu, read blurbs about the, the subjects that are covered in the books, and also chapter from each of the books. And I do want to mention just one thing about communicating with animals, not necessarily my communicating with animals, but what I have learned through what my dogs have told me is that since they cannot tell us when they want to leave because they are in pain uh, and their quality of life has diminished to such an extent that it is just hard for them to keep on. They want us to do the merciful thing for them and stay with them, hold them, while the veterinarian injects them first with a, a substance that just is a mild anesthetic. And so they're asleep when they get the final lethal dose of medication. And they go to Nirvana, to Nirvana. There are reunions of the people and their beloved pets. 
they are free up there. They run freely. And uh, so do other animals. Because even those that are fierce on Earth are not up there. There are no predator and prey in Nirvana. And eventually, there will not be predator and prey um, on Earth either. But please, allow animals you love to leave when you know is their time. And know that they are grateful to you for doing that. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Susie. I really appreciate that. We have had an amazing time today talking with Susie Ward. I encourage everyone to visit MatthewBooks.com to learn more about the books Susie has written with her son Matthew and to read Matthew's monthly messages, truly life-changing, consciousness-expanding information. Susie, I'm hoping you can share some closing words of wisdom with us to add to all the beautiful things you've already shared with us today. Matthew sends abundant love, unconditional love to all of us who are lending voices and ears and thoughts to, to this time we have shared today. And he is asking that you send love and light out into the world and to realize that you have more power to make this world a better place, the, the kind of world that is peaceful and loving, where people cooperate and where everyone lives in harmony with nature. You have the power to help create that kind of world. Never, never doubt that the love and the light you send forth in prayers, in thoughts, in actions, you are creating Earth's golden age. And I say thank you. Thank you, Caroline, for this opportunity to be with you today. It has been so meaningful to me. And if you would ever like to invite me back, I'd love to do it. Oh, thank you so much, Susie. Wow. Uh, yes, definitely. I would love to talk to you every day. And deep gratitude to you and to Matthew for joining with us today and to both of you for your years and lifetimes of service. It has been an absolutely amazing experience for me to talk with both of you today. Thank you so dearly. Oh, you are welcome. I, I just, I feel so thrilled and energized and so filled with love and excitement and joy. Thank you, Caroline. I wish to thank Brian, Zach, and Synergy for the use of their song, Embrace the Change. I thank all of you for joining with us today and invite you to visit spiritofthedawn.com for more inspirational interviews. Sending love from my home to yours. I am Theadian Emissary of Life, Caroline Ross.